Amen. Bless the Lord. Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online. If you're listening in after the fact, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Hey, we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing on wisdom for living. Uh, we've been talking about all kinds of, uh, all different areas uh, as it relates to just living wisely, living biblically, just in a real practical way, just doing life uh, in, in God's wisdom. And, you know, we can't wrap up a, a series talking about living wisely uh, without getting into the topic of finances. So we're going to talk about wisdom uh, for living uh, as it relates to uh, finances this morning. I want to look for a few minutes at three big perspectives that the Word of God uh, gives us related to finances. Big picture things that are part of just how we view the world around us, building our worldview when it comes to finance. And then five practical ways here in America in 2023, living Bible smart when it comes to finance. Uh, so I uh, just want to let you know in advance, you know, you know, when we talk about the subject of finance, for some folks we'll say, you kind of tense up a little bit, right? Uh-oh, we're going there. You know, we make the joke that the, you know, most sensitive nerve in the body is the one that leads to the wallet, right? But I just want everybody to breathe easy. I will not be receiving a second offering. We will not be handing out pledge cards. Want to talk to you about the, the spiritual dynamic of your life and my life when it comes to finances. Amen? All right, so, uh, so let's look at the, first of all, three big picture things uh, that, that are important that we, we just really got to get a hold of these things if we're going to have God's perspective and thrive in the way he wants uh, when it comes to finance. So the first one is this, and again, uh, we, we got the notes in your bulletin if you're following along. Uh, number one, finances are heavily linked to our spiritual life. And again, it's a, it's a topic that really when we hear it brought up in, in a biblical context, we want to perk our ears up because there's a lot that the Word of God says relating to finances because uh, it, it affects our lives, our spiritual lives, so significantly. You know, part of it is finances are a great revealer. They reveal our heart. They reveal our attitude. So a couple of uh, scriptures, and we'll make some comments on, on some of these as we go. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And, and, and this, is, this is Solomon uh, sharing this in the, the book of Ecclesiastes. Right? And, and if we know, you, you know the story of Solomon, he is heralded as the wisest man who was alive certainly at that time on the planet. Uh, we could maybe say ever, you, you know, just, just wisdom from God. Uh, and yet when we read his life, there was a season where as the wisest person on the planet, he forsook the wisdom of God and just began to do other things. And so he, he learned from God's revelation and from the experience of doing things the wrong way what the wise path is. 
And he's talking about it here in Ecclesiastes. And that's why this verse ends where he says, this too is meaningless. He's, he's talking about all the things that people will give their heart away to. And he'll say, yeah, you know, give it away to this. And, and it's all meaningless. And give it away to this. And it's, and it's meaningless. And, and really the, the, the full circle he brings it to is, hey, the sum total of life is to love God, you know, and, and, and do things his way. You, you know, so this picture of our finances, they're a great revealer. And if we love money uh, rather than loving God, it's never going to be enough. If we love wealth, there's never going to be a point of, of being satisfied and saying, I have enough. Matthew 6.21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so again, this picture of where our treasure goes, our, our heart follows. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, and I, and I like this in particular in the in NIV here, uh, the New International Version. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Just like the way it's all spelled out there. This is one of the mis most misquoted verses, by the way. How many, how many have ever heard somebody say, money is the root of all evil? And that's not what this verse says. Money in and of itself is not bad. Right? I mean, you know, Pastor Nate was just talking about, you know, our, our finance given into the offering uh, has been darkness quenching, kingdom of God advancing, you know, in our state, in our nation, in nations around the world. Our finance building the kingdom, doing eternal things, good things for eternity, money in and of itself is not bad. It's the love of money. It's, it's when it becomes our love. Uh, and it goes on to, to say here in 1 Timothy 6.10, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, another, another uh, portion talking about this idea that our spiritual life and finance, that they're very connected. Uh, Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one. And despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that's another way of saying if, if we love money, that, that love uh, compartment in our heart is, is that which we worship, that which we, we depend upon, you know, that really is something that becomes a master in our lives, whatever we're worshiping. And we can't serve God, we can't serve uh, money, we, we need to serve one or the other. First uh, Timothy 6.17 says, teach those who are rich in this world. And let's pause here for a minute. I know I've heard Pastor Ralph at, at different times, uh, you know, over the years as he's receiving the offering, talk about the statement, rich in this world, and acknowledge that, you know, even if we're facing hardship here in America, even if we're, you know, uh, in challenges financially, we represent uh, compared to the rest of the world, a picture of we're rich in comparison to most of the world. Amen? Amen. I know that could be kind of hard to get that picture, uh, but that, that's absolutely true. So this is speaking to all of us where it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So again, let, let's acknowledge there, there's so much that's said in this verse. 
We should be trusting in God, not trusting in finance. When, when, uh, when we are in love with money, it will be our master. It'll be what we trust in. When we love the Lord and then money becomes what it's supposed to be, we love God, we trust him. Uh, it's him that we're leaning on. And, and, you know, another great lie and myth that we see uh, is this idea that if we're really spiritual, uh, we'll be committed to poverty. But that's not biblical at all. Can you say amen? amen? You know, this whole idea of a vow of poverty and things like that. Again, uh, the finance in this world is needed to accomplish the mission of God in this world. Right? So it's, it's not money. It's not having money. It's when it becomes our love, when it becomes our master, and when it becomes what we trust in. Can you say amen? Amen. So, so an important starting place, why would we talk about finance? Because, wow, it is a great, it's like a mirror uh, uh, holding up to our, our lives uh, where things are at spiritually. And, you know, how many know it's one thing to, to know something that the Bible says, and it's another thing to do it, right? The biggest gap in the world is said, the gap between knowing and doing. So that's why it's always good for us to be going back and, and, and really um, searching out what's going on in our hearts. All right, number two, God owns it all. We are just stewards. Again, so if we start off with, wow, my spiritual life and, and finance, these things are connected. Uh, how I handle my finances is revealing what's, what's going on spiritually. And then I add to that the understanding. And at the end of the day, it's all God's anyway. Right? We've all heard it said that you can't take it with you. Right? We've all heard it said that, you know, we don't have the U-Haul, you know, following behind the hearse, that kind of a thing. Uh, the, the Word of God tells us, you know, the cattle on a thousand hills, it's all the Lord's. You know, so when we even look at the money we earn, the money that we are making decisions over when it's all said and done, we're just stewards. We are, uh, I heard somebody say recently, we are eternal beings having a, uh, a, a earthly existence. We are heaven-bound beings having an earthly existence. We're, we're pilgrims passing through this world on our way to eternity. And so when we look at the finance in this world, it's for now. It's for life to be conducted now because it's not going to be needed. It's not going with us uh, when, when we're in eternity with the Lord. And so some verses to look at just to continue to work this thought out. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So he gives us the ability because it's all his. And it says, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Here's, I think, one of the most sobering, challenging, healthy verses for us to look at regarding finance. Luke 16, 11. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Wow. So from God's perspective, you, you, know, you know, mansions, yachts, you, you know, property, you, you know, uh, millions of dollars, all those things, God terms that worldly wealth. He doesn't even refer to that as true riches from his perspective. How's that for just making crooked things straight 
as far as perspective goes, right? You know, and then when we look at this, this idea that, okay, so if even what I earn and even what I, you know, through my sweat and my toil, you know, bring into my life finance-wise, uh, not only is it really not mine, it's the Lord's, but then at the end of the day, for me as a steward, then he expects me to conduct myself with his finances in a way that's honorable. Amen? You, you know, so that, that means that, you, you know, things like uh, paying what you owe others, things like, uh, uh, you, you know, not, not cheating or rounding corners or, uh, you, you know, uh, switching the deal on people in order to make things work your way. A lot of these things that happen in the world. You know, James chapter 5 verse 4 says, look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. This is basically a picture of somebody who, who, who promised somebody something that they, that they didn't make good on when it comes to finance. You know, you know that's, not, um, that's not an earthly situation. That is a spiritual moment where we have a decision to make. Am I going to do something God-honoring, growing me as a disciple of Christ? Or I'm going to do something contrary that doesn't honor God, that, that paints a wrong picture of him and brings damage to somebody else. Come on, can you say amen? It says, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. You know, if I was to just read that verse and not give the address, I think for many of us, it'd be, I, I, I would be kind of quick to say, okay, that's definitely the Old Testament. That's definitely a prophet, you know. Uh, but no, here it is. That's James. That's new covenant talk where God is saying, it's all mine. You're a steward, so conduct yourself. So really what this is saying, hey, in God's economy, no room for situation ethics. Amen? Yeah, I can remember early on, I'm so grateful to uh, the training that I got as a brand new uh, uh, youth pastor. And I remember my pastor telling me, you know, always, always, always conduct yourself out of your calling. Never let yourself become a hireling. You know, and then when you look what the word says about a hireling, you know, the hireling uh, watching the sheep is different than the shepherd who watches the sheep. The shepherd is walking his calling and will lay his life down for the sheep. The hireling will say, if it gets too expensive, I won't do the right thing. Wow, wow it's deafeningly quiet in here right now. I heard a mentor of mine shared a story. I've always thought about this, talking about situation ethics. And basically what we're saying here is, hey, when, when we're stewards of God's, God's resources in our lives, we make the decision, I'm not for sale. And I remember uh, hearing a, a, somebody preaching this story about a, a man who was in a hotel lobby and he walked up to a woman and he basically propositioned her to spend the night with him. And he said, I don't, I don't remember the exact numbers, we'll, we'll just say, he said, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars if you'll spend the night with me, to which she agreed. And so then when he started working out the details with her, he said, all right, well, we'll meet at such and such time in this place and, and I'll bring the thousand dollars. And she said, thousand dollars? You said a million dollars. What do you think I am? And his response was, we've already established what you are. Now we're just haggling on the price, right? It's one way of saying you're for sale. 
We've already established that you're for sale. Now let's haggle on the price. What God wants for us when, when finance is something we steward from him, now, now, there's, now we're not for sale. You know, we look at Judas. It was uh, 30 pieces of silver, right, that he was for sale for, right? But we make the decision, I'm not for sale. Uh, then we're stepping into this second principle that we're looking at. Uh, let's see. Yep. So Proverbs 13, 16, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't and even brags about it. So as a steward, we look ahead. We plan ahead. Uh, if, if we're not wise, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and sort of joking about it. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Uh, poverty. Uh, Pastor James, I think you might have even used that one talking about diligence last week. But the plans of the diligent lead to profit. So as stewards, right? And, and again, we're, we won't unpack this verse, but the 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 parable of uh, those given the talents, the talents of money, right? The whole idea was I planned, I worked, I stewarded what the resource you put into my hands and here's more back for you. These are all pictures, you know, that we can pull out of this idea. Okay, Lord, it's all yours anyway. I'm here uh, as a steward. All right, and then the third kind of overarching uh, point we want to look at. Everybody tracking so far? Amen. All right, so the third point we want to look at, giving and sowing is how God advances his kingdom plans. And it's the pathway to blessing for believers. So, you, you know, we, we start off here, uh, you, you know, with this understanding that finances and my spiritual life are related. We move on to this understanding. It's all the Lord's and I'm just a steward. And then we move on to this biblical picture of, okay, and now God is going to work his kingdom out in this world when it comes to the resource he needs. He's going to work it out through his people. He's going to bless his people so that they can be a blessing to others. So now I can understand, all right, if I'm going to be a steward and, and, and I want to grow in the Lord and I want to be obedient to him, I realize, okay, it's through me that he's going to advance his kingdom. And then also uh, I'm going to realize that God's kingdom economics, it's through my sowing, it's through my sacrificial giving that I wind up reaping blessing back in my life. I put myself in a position where I'm under the Lord's covering and under the Lord's blessing when I'm choosing to sow, when I'm choosing to be uh, in a place of generosity. Can you say amen? So Acts 20 verse uh, 35, uh, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So notice it doesn't say it's bad to receive. Somebody say glory, right? You know, you get a gift on your birthday. Oh, no, 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 no. I do not want to receive. It's not spiritual to receive. Nonsense. That's, that's not what it says. It doesn't say it's not blessed to receive. It said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So in, in our humanity, the blessings feel good when they come our way. But as we're growing in Christ, as we're walking in the Spirit, as we're led by the Spirit, we start to taste and see there's more blessing in the giving than there is in the receiving. And how many know that puts us in a posture where God can trust us? That puts us in a posture where God says, all right, I now have somebody that I can pour resource through. Amen? So it's the way that God blesses the believer, and it is the way that God is going to advance his kingdom. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 8. 
It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, now here's the picture. God is saying, so each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God isn't interested in us in any way being strong-armed or guilted into giving beyond what we have faith for, beyond what we have determined in our heart, what God is speaking to us about whatever step he wants to take uh, in that area of giving. Amen? So not reluctantly, not under compulsion, God loves a cheerful giver. And then, and then we know in all this context, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, thank God, that's a lot of alls, you will abound in every good work, three alls and in every. On the other side of I'll be cheerful, I'll be obedient, I'll do what I can step out and do in faith, and I'll trust and believe God. And in that, all things, all times, all that we need so that we'll abound in every good work. So there's that exciting picture. Lord, as I trust you, as I walk through with you, every good work that you want to do through me uh, will be able to be performed. And then uh, last scripture on this thought, Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And then it says, and with the first fruits of all your increase. So first fruits, that's speaking of the tithe. That's a whole separate uh, message that we'll get to someday. But I wanted to point out here the picture of generosity, giving this picture. It's, it's honoring the Lord ultimately is what we're doing. All right. So three perspectives. I hope already, you know, the Ho Holy Spirit is working and, and just helping us take some inventory. Lord, am I trusting in you? Am I trusting in my finance? You know, am I, uh, are, are you my only love? Is, is finance a, an instrument to what you want to do and be in my life? Or has it overgrown to something more? All right, now with that, let's take a look at five ways to live Bible-wise with our finances. So now with those uh, perspective thoughts, you know, those worldview type thoughts, let's get really, really practical. Uh, biblical perspective in America 2023 uh, as it comes to wisdom for our finances. And, you know, as I get into these, these five things, you know, um, uh, you, you know, I shared in first service, as I look back at my upbringing in my household with my mom and dad, uh, there are so many, so many things uh, that they were very, very intentional to uh, train and pour into my life that I am so grateful for. I mean, I just wouldn't trade it for anything. But one thing that we just never got into, didn't really coach on, didn't really dig down on, uh, was the idea of health with your finances. So, so for me, it was my, my education was what I wanted. And it was what, what the world was shaping and showing me. And how many know credit card companies I mean, as, as my kids, you know, move to teenagers and to young adults, I watch them getting all of these credit card offers. You know, credit card companies, they want to begin a lifelong relationship with us to string us into as much debt as possible. 
you know, we just go along with the current as it's moving us along, it will, uh, it will bring our finances into a place of travesty as far as what the biblical perspective is. And so I, I share a little bit about, about my upbringing. Uh, so the things I'm looking at, kind of learned these the hard way as I went. I was looking up some, some just statistics on finances in America today. And, you know, one of them that uh, really caught my interest was it was overwhelming. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact number, but the overwhelming percentage of people were saying that, that uh, they wish every school had some kind of mandatory finance education training. You know, and again, I didn't have accounting, I didn't have finance, I didn't have any of that stuff in, in my school. I know for my kids going through, they actually had Dave Ramsey in high school, you know. Uh, so I'll make some comments along this way, but I just want to let you know, you know, and we're, we're all in different places in our walk today. Some of us, you, you know, we'll, we'll hear this and we'll say, I know, brother, I've been there, I can testify, yep, I learned that one the hard way. Others of us will say, yep. My mom and dad did coach me on that when I was a kid, so glad they did. And for others, you might be saying, man, I'm just on the front end of managing my own finances and household. And I know for me, when I, whenever I mentor uh, in, in pre-marriage counseling for young couples, this is one of the most passionate areas that I'll get into is like, hear these things now, learn these things, do these things now, you'll be so glad that you did. So wherever you're at in the process here, you'll either be able to say, amen, ouch, or okay, I got it, you know, as we go through these. All right, so number one, Spend less than you earn. Sounds easy, doesn't it? How many would agree it's not as easy as it sounds, right? To spend less than you earn. And we live in a culture, like I said, that's constantly advertising, bombarding us. Uh, you, you know, and, and I, I would say for anybody who is on social media, I think our social media generation has an even harder prospect excuse me, than probably any other generation up to this point. And, and I can't remember it now, but there's a psychological term for when we look on social media and we can see people all over the planet that have everything. And it creates this psychological thing of, I don't have. This, this, this thing of not enough. So not only is the fallen human spirit wanting to cry out, I want more, I want more, I want more. But then we live in a world where we are shown everything everywhere. I mean, think about it, you, you know, uh, the, the advertisers, you're scrolling through and you, you see the thing you like and how creepy is it that you pause on it for three seconds and now you've got 27 different ads showing up trying to market that. You know, it used to be, you know, like I was, I was a kid walking through a store, I see a toy, I'm like, oh, I want that. And mom drags the arm and okay, out of sight, out of mind, five minutes later, I forgot about it. We're in a culture now where that's just constantly if we're not being intentional, right? Constantly putting before us. So this whole idea of spending less than you earn, you know, uh, is, is a lot uh, easier sounding than it is to live out. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And again, you, you know, it's never fun sharing your mistakes, but I'm just trusting that as I do that, uh, as I can be um, transparent here, that that'll give, uh, help somebody else first of all, but also help us all be transparent as we're examining these things. So, so this idea of spending less than you earn, you know, um, I was already a 
youth pastor for many years, we had a Dave Ramsey, uh, the first time that we ran through that as a church, we actually met here in the sanctuary. I want to say it was like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or something like that, or th not a Wednesday, but Thursday, whatever. But we, we met for a bunch of weeks. And I remember early on, you know, Dave said, if you have a job and live in America, you can, you can build wealth. And I remember just thinking to myself, number one, what did he say? You know, and number two, I never considered that. You know, I, I had, even during the process of my walk with God, there was a time where the Lord specifically told me, you are carrying a poverty mindset and a poverty spirit. I remember where I was standing in my kitchen, I was at the sink, kind of facing the window, heard the Lord say that clear as day, uh, and, and, you know, as fast as he said it, I had it, you know, the light bulb went off, Lord, you're absolutely right, and I said, I repent of that in the name of Jesus. You know, but again, if we just follow what's going on in our culture, we are going to tie up. And again, I, I am not a representative for Dave. I am not getting any kind of royalties for pushing Dave Ramsey, but, but uh, just, just really great principles. He said, you know, the key is little by little living within your means. And then he talks about your greatest leverage for building wealth is your current income. But we live in a culture that wants us to have our current income tied up into what we bought yesterday, right? You know, so it's this whole picture of it starts with living within our means, gathering little by little uh, spiritual principles of contentment and gratitude and all of these things, patience, fruit of the spirit in our lives, right? So we start off there. And then really just the, the testimony I gave ties in with this. Number two, be wise with debt. So we want to live within our means. Uh, and then number two, we want to be wise with debt. And uh, Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And I can remember a, a time where, you know, it was, you know, put something on the card, pay it off, put something on, pay it off. You know, uh, emergencies come, put it on the card. And, and I can remember there was a day where I was in front of the bills to pay the bills. And, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm not in charge. Every bill I was paying up to this point, I was in charge. Now the credit card bill is bossing me around. Come on, can anybody say amen? Right, and I realized I, I had moved into that place. I had just from one month to the next, it didn't happen overnight. This was little by little as well, but I found myself that I had switched and now I became servant to the lender. So, you know, living biblically, we want to live within our means. We want to be very, very wise with debt. Um, and and, and uh, man, this is a great thought. Debt always mortgages our future. You know, so we've, we've heard the idea, pay now, play later, play now, pay later. If we play now, we'll always pay more later. So there's just such wisdom in, in recognizing that. You guys doing okay because you sound uncomfortably quiet from, from the platform here. Bless the Lord. What was it? Ken Hagen used to say, don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. All right, number three, plan for financial margin because the unexpected will happen. And so another personal story, and I, I tell you, I am not exaggerating this, this statement. So we, we said, all right, with Jesus' help 
and, and uh, him working through Dave Ramsey here, this little plan, you know, baby steps, you know, we take these baby steps. It was, you know, get an emergency fund, just immediately get an emergency fund built. Uh, so we did. And, and my wife can testify. We had said, we have our emergency fund. And anybody who knows me knows I love to check off a box. <laughs> Bam, box number one. I am not exaggerating here, within 24 hours, the emergency came to drain the whole fund. I, I'm thinking emergency fund for the first time in my life, intentional on purpose, within 24 hours gone. And, and just in case you're thinking it, I tried telling myself, well, at least I had the money in the emergency fund did not help at all. That did not help no, how, no matter how many times I said that to myself. But you know what? Turned back around and said, all right, Lord, we're going to keep doing this, keep surrendering this to you, keep a place of repentance, keep uh, bringing our, our finances in submission uh, to, to your leadership. Uh, and, and, and God began to move beautifully uh, in, in our lives. So, you know, this idea of margin, it's emergency fund, it's breathing room, it's, it's spending within our means and even under our means. It also uh, includes looking at things like insurances, just having our lives set. You know, again, uh, another uh, Ramseyism, I guess we could call them. Uh, you know, he had said, uh, you absolutely have to pr prepare for the emergency. And somebody approached him and said, Dave, you're far too negative. And he said, I am positive you will have to prepare for an emergency. No amount of positive confession is going to change the nature that there's storms that come along the way. But God has given us wisdom in his word to walk in so that those things don't have to be harder than they are. Amen. And this idea of, uh, you, you know, having margin, Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So that whole idea of gathering, having things ready for, for different seasons, that's just a, a great wise biblical principle. All right, number four, set long-term goals because there is a, uh, always is a trade-off between the short-term and the long-term. So this is just speaking about, again, living on purpose, living intentional when it comes to our finance. And, it, you know, the idea of a goal, it's just, it, it's so simple. You know, we, we, we look at where do I want to be? Then we look at where am I now? And then we just lay out what's the pathway to get there. You know, somebody had said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? So having a goal and, of course, uh, you, you know, we are people that are led of the Spirit, but in that there is a biblical picture of living with focus and intentionality and priority. I love that we, we sang about that this morning, you know, that He is our, our ultimate priority. We're, we're singing about that in worship, right? Um, so the idea is if we operate with a long-term goal, how's this for a long-term goal? That we stand before the Lord someday and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we work backward from that goal into, all right, so that's the ultimate goal. There's probably some long-range things I got to think about. There's some probably some medium-range things. And that's going to literally translate to, so how do I live today? You know, so we said a goal is a trade-off between do I do this for now or do I do this in light of the big picture? And we, we count those things and, and, and we trade them off. 
Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is really neat in the message paraphrase. It says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've gotten my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Amen. Amen. So that's the, the big picture in Christ. But again, let's go back to those, those three thoughts that we looked at in advance. While we are in this pilgrimage on this earth, God has called, not, you know, our finances and our handling of them uh, is going gonna, is gonna to have great impact on our spiritual growth, on unlocking God's purposes and plans for us moving forward, Right. Hey, if we can't handle worldly wealth, how can we be trusted with true riches? Right? So this all comes in together. I've got a goal. I've got my eyes on the Lord. The Lord has given me principles to live by. And I'm going to put that into something I'm aiming at each day. So when those, those opportunities come before me, I'll choose the right thing. All right. Number five, the last one we'll look at here, uh, give generously because giving breaks the power of money. So I'm circling back to this thought of, uh, so this, you know, before we looked at this as an overarching principle uh, for worldview, now I'm talking about it as far as practical handling of our finances, give generously because giving breaks the power of money. Come on, how many have ever had, I can remember as a kid, I didn't want to share. And whether it was my parent or the teacher, uh, they tyrannized and made me share, right? Did you, come on, wave at me if you ever had that happen. Wave at me if you've ever had to have your child do that. You will share that now, right? No, you will not take the last cookie. You had the last seven. Save the last one for your brother, for your sister, right? We all have, you know, versions of that. And isn't it amazing what happens in the moment, the, the struggle, right? And then on the other side, something gets broken, you know, when we choose to take the generous stance, the I'll say no to me and I'll say yes to something higher. Something breaks in that process. So, so that's an aspect of giving uh, that's really healthy for us as well. And so I, I want to bring us back. We're, we're going to uh, come in for a landing on this verse, revisit this. We just looked at this before, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. You, you know, when I shared with you uh, some of the uh, you know, the mistakes I had made along the way, you know, even in the giving department, I know I've shared my testimony before, got saved, came into the church, for lack of a better word, started tipping God. Then I started giving regularly. Then I got the revelation and the teaching and the understanding of the tithe. And then I moved to tithing off the net. And when, when I say I, um, yeah, as my wife and I were married, it was us together. You know, then, then it was uh, off the gross. And then it was moving into uh, giving beyond the tithe. And, and watching God uh, begin to work in our finances over the years. So I was obedient in some areas, but I was living foolishly in other areas. And, you know, obedience to God's word is obedience to God's word. And so as, as, as I took the stance of, so Lord, I repent. You know, even the idea of, Lord, I've allowed a poverty mindset. I repent of that in the name of Jesus. God began to move. But you know what? And, and here, here's the thing. I was not aware I was carrying a poverty mindset. You know, there could be mindsets 
that we're carrying in this room that we're not even aware that we have. You know, going back to pre-marriage counseling, so much of the pre-marriage counseling, we ask a ton of questions to get couples talking about things because it, it, it is such a win if somebody can realize, wait a minute, I have an expectation that I didn't realize I had. And, and if I didn't realize it, how in the world is my future spouse ever going to realize I've got this expectation, this picture of how life can be, right? You know, so as God made this clear, showing me the picture, I was like, all right, I stand against it in the name of Jesus. But then life happens, and there was a lot of years of having this underlying poverty mindset that I needed to go back over and over again and say, Lord, I'm slipping back into that. I repent. I'm not given to a poverty mindset. Come on, can anybody testify in the name of Jesus that's broken? So back to this verse here. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. I want to encourage us around the room today, wherever you're at, whether you'd say, man, I've been walking out God's biblical plans for my finances for years and years, and you're just amening and affirming and moving along. Or maybe there's areas where you would say, I, I know... Uh, I, I have fairly regular conversations where people would say, man, my finances are in a mess. That's part of the reason why I, I share so candidly on some of this to know that there's hope and there's, and there's encouragement. And, and here's what happened as, as I said, all right, Lord, I am understanding that I am doing this wrong. Lord, I repent. And Lord, and remember repentance isn't I'm sorry. Repentance is I agree with you, God, and I'm now turning in the other direction. And there were things where, where you know, uh, we looked and we said, man, this is a long road to get to the place where we would want to be financially. And, and, you know, even getting rid of debt and things. I remember, you know, saying, all right, it's going to take to hear. But then walking with God, trusting him, repenting, learning, moving in obedience, practicing generosity, faithfully walking out these five areas that we spoke about, I watched God bring what I thought was going to be to here. He started doing miracles, and then he brought it to here. Amen? I saw God start doing things. His miraculous power was released into our finances because we had shown him we bore the fruit of repentance. Amen. I think there's just somebody who needs to be encouraged by that here today. You, you know, whatever you see as the natural, you just keep going with the Lord. You keep trusting the Lord and he will do suddenlies, he will do miracles, and he'll do breakthroughs. And, and, and you know, he'll take you by the hand. You know, it was like, all right, Lord, so how do we start walking out of this? And he'll start giving instruction. I want you to do this. I want you to put that down. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And, and, and as we take the step, this, this verse lays it out so nicely. Do what he's put on our heart to do, to walk in obedience, to take that next step in him. Do what we can do cheerfully. Do what we can do in faith. And he will continue to stretch us and walk us through into his best. And that'll again bring us to, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen.